Hey everybody, welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. As always, we frame this podcast around living your greatest life in a body that you absolutely love. And a massive part of that is this a body you love piece. And that, for most people, is very subjective. A lot of us go through life maybe not taking the time to stop and appreciate what we've got. And the fact that we have an able body and a heart that beats in our chest without us having to do anything and lungs that breathe and a mind that thinks and eyes that work. And, you know, there's been a lot of amazing opportunities in my life over the last few months and years to really stop and smell the roses and realize how truly grateful we are, even in this challenging time that we're all going through. Stop and appreciate what we've got. And the fact that your mind works and you have this opportunity every day when you wake up to create something new, whether that be more stress, if you like, or more opportunity and more growth and more gratitude and maybe more love and more joy. And today's guest is a phenomenal leader. And I've known this guy since really the beginning of my self mastery journey, well back before anyone would have known my name. And I've been reading John Asaraf's books and information since probably 2005. And John was so gracious to come on our show and has really made a shift in his life away from teaching people how to just make money now to helping people um, overcome their limiting beliefs and overcome all of those limitations that you create inside your mind that are the very things that are holding you back. And his new book, Inner Size, is a great resource that I think we should all dig into to start looking at how you can recognize, release mental and emotional obstacles, the things that are holding you back, really eliminating those inner blocks, fear of failing, embarrassment, shame, judgment, and really enjoy life with greater significance, purpose, and meaning. John is just an absolute wealth of information. It's pretty interesting and exciting at the same time that, you know, through his challenging journeys, although he's been very successful, his realization also comes back to the internal reality. The internal dialogue is the very thing that's going to create your external world. And that's, you know, the irony of the parallel with what I teach in physique enhancement is it's never what happens on the outside, right? It's the response that you have on the inside, the environment you create on the inside. That's the thing that counts. So in muscle building, we look at exercise as being this external stimulus that results or potentially creates an internal response or an internal environment. John is also looking at it that way where we can learn to take our life to create this internal reality and then the internal reality expresses in the external world. And there's so much value in this book and John's other books as well are absolutely fantastic. And I suggest you dive in and check those out. Without further ado, I give you... John Asaraf. Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Blocks. You guys know I've been a fan of Blue Blocks for a really long time. Taking care of yourself, taking care of your eyes, taking care of your sleep, especially during the stress time is super important. So please head over to blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X if you haven't already and definitely capitalize on their generous discount of 15% and use the code MUSCLE to get hooked up. Guys, this time is challenging for a lot of people. I know a lot of people losing their jobs and financially, it's going to be a challenge. So if you're not already a part of the Muscle Intelligence Facebook community, I want you to head over there right now and just click to sign up and there's no fear or anything like that. I just want to have a direct line of communication to give you as much value as we can. We're going to be doing some live podcasts in there so you can ask questions with the experts and there's going to be a lot of COVID-19 info. There's also going to be a lot of companies coming in, you know, things that I curate and say like, Hey, like I want my people to be able to access this because there's going to be some things that we're going to have limited access to in coming months. And 
I'm intentionally going out now and saying like, what are the things that I'm going to need? And what are the things that you're going to need? And hopefully we can help each other thrive and even keep each other motivated, inspired. There's been some people mentioning that there's very likely to be some mental challenges, some depression, some people maybe looking to give up on life. And I hope guys stay strong and this too shall pass, right? We're here as a community to support each other. And I post as often as I can and say, guys, how can I help? connect you with someone. If we can figure out a way to support, we will do it. We'll do it together as a team. And failure is not an option when you create a community, right? We support each other and everyone has strengths and everyone has limitations and we support each other with our strengths and we push on to support each other. And no one has any idea how long this will last or how challenging this will get. But at very least, we support each other with a positive progression toward greatness, toward living our best self in a positive way and in a mentality of abundance. And we never live in a mentality of scarcity. We will always have enough. We will always share. And for whatever reason, the universe works that way. If we help each other and we contribute to each other's betterment and each other's success and thriving, then inevitably we come through on top. And when we finish this challenging time, we are the ones to thrive. So I'm here to help you, whether it be with stress, with business, with expansion, with really anything. I mean, this is why we're here and I'm so grateful for your time. And I hope you guys enjoy the podcast and I hope you head over to Muscle Intelligence on Facebook and join us in there so we can keep a constant dialogue. And if there's any way you guys need to reach me, that's a great place to do it. Enjoy the show. Mr. John Asaraf, I've been a fan of what you do since 2007. And that to me feels like Lifetime when I began this journey of, you know, self-discovery and, you know, what I will call self-mastery. And you were one of those people that came up on my radar time and time again as someone who had an incredibly well-articulated conversation around how you go about discovering yourself and mastering yourself and loving yourself ultimately. And I think that was the ultimate path for me. So I'm super excited to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Ben. It's great to be on. And yeah, 13, 14 years ago, something like that. That's a long time. Yeah, it seems that way. Again, sometimes it feels like a blink of an eye and sometimes it feels like an eternity. So the reason I decided to reach out to you and, you know, I would have loved to have had you on eons ago, but I think it seems in the past you were teaching people about business and finance and how to have everything you want. And, you know, that seems to be a bit of a separation sometimes from my conversation on this podcast, even though I'm super interested in it, it's not always the conversation on the podcast, but now you've shifted your life or you've shifted a very small segment of your life to this very particular part of self-mastery and self-actualization because you notice it to be the missing link in, you have everyone out there saying, hey, this is what you need to do to change your life. And as I said, you know, in my words, it's the cheerleader approach, right? It's like, hey, you got to work hard. You got to crush it. And you got to have discipline and it never sticks. And so you had this realization. I'd love you to tell us about how you came to the realization and ultimately what it is. Well, I'm really fascinated with life and how spectacular and amazing it is. I'm yeah. fascinated with the complexity of life and how us human beings do what we do, not do the things we know we should do. And, you know, like you, I became very fascinated when I was 19 years old. My life was falling apart. I was getting in trouble with breaking and entries and drugs and the law. And I was either going to go to jail or the morgue. And I had a mentor that my brother introduced me to that had me look at me a little bit differently by asking me better questions that I had learned how to ask myself. 
And that became my beginning of self-discovery, as you suggested. And, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I not getting the results that I think about and dream about? And he really introduced me to the world of my brain, my mind, my beliefs, my perspectives, my habits, and my expectations. And so for the last 40 years, I have been on this quest to discover as much about myself as possible. And along the way, I picked up a few, I guess, key thoughts and ideas and got deep into neuroscience and neuropsychology research. And this all stemmed from, first and foremost, me having a wonderful mentor who said, okay, here are the goals that you want to achieve. In order to achieve these goals, you need to have certain beliefs about yourself and certain beliefs about what's possible. You have to upgrade your knowledge and skills so that you actually know what to do and how to do it. But then he actually went one step further that I didn't realize at the time that in my research in the last 15 or so years was a critical, critical piece. And that is he helped me develop the daily, weekly, and monthly habits that aligned with the goals that I wanted to achieve. So, you know, for example, you know, when I was 19 years old and he had me sitting at my desk when I was selling real estate for him, and he had me look at my goals every morning and run my fingers across my goals, and he had me reading affirmations that I didn't believe at the time that I was smart enough and good enough and worthy enough to achieve those goals, but I read them anyway. And I listened to them because he had me record them onto a cassette recorder and made me listen to them in the office several times a day and asked me to listen to them while I was driving. And then he had me close my eyes and see myself achieving these outrageous goals that I didn't believe I deserved to achieve or could achieve. What I didn't realize then, but I trusted him to know more than me because he was extremely successful, was that he was actually helping me retrain my own brain. And through the space repetition and through the visualization and through the mindfulness training that I received 40 years ago, he helped me create what we know today are the neural pathways of beliefs, the neural pathways of new habits, the neural pathways of expectations and set points that happen in our brain. And so I didn't appreciate how much he knew about the science of success back then. But over the last number of years, I shifted what I was doing to really focus on helping people retrain their brains the same way that I was taught. The only difference today is we can use technology to accelerate it, and we can use some new methodologies that weren't known at the time. So I still love to help people, but how I help people is very, very different than just talking to people and disseminating more information. So you said, Alan Brown, your mentor, had you go through some exercises or some processes? I'd love to just have you walk through what those looked like at the time, and then maybe we could walk through at some point today what you're doing differently now and how you've added to that. Sure. So the first thing that he had me do was actually set goals in writing. And a lot of people know, you know that they should set goals, but what most people don't know is there are five key parts of your brain that you want to activate when you are setting goals that shift you from just setting goals to giving you a higher probability of achieving goals. 
And the setting of the goal activates. And I'll just get a little technical for just a moment to show people how far we've come. So when we set a goal, we use a part of our brain called the left prefrontal cortex, which is considered the Einstein part of the brain. It's the imagination side of the brain or part of the imagination side of the brain. It's the deductive reasoning side of the brain. It's the logical side of our brain that allows us to choose what we want to achieve. Now, That is a great start, but if you thought of your brain almost like an orchestra, and you're the orchestra leader, and there are different members of the orchestra, so one might play the piano, one might play the strings, one might play the trombone or the trumpet, etc. So when you activate Einstein, that's a really good start, but the key is to activate more members of the brain, so you actually follow through. So When people sit down and also say, why must you achieve this goal? What are all of the emotional reasons that you must achieve this goal? Now you're activating the limbic system part of your brain. It's the emotional center of your brain that's tied directly to the part of your brain called the motor cortex, the one that actually causes you to take action. It's also connected to the motivational part of your brain, another member of your team that releases the needed dopamine and oxytocin if you share it with your friends to achieve your goals and dreams. So when you set goals and you come up with why must you achieve those goals, and then you revert back to what are three or four action steps on how you can achieve these goals, which activates again that neural circuit. Now we have what I need to achieve, why I need to achieve it, how I'm going to achieve it. We're using another part of our brain And then when you say, okay, when am I going to do these things? Now we're activating another part of our brain. So now we have what, why, how, when. And then when we start activating the who else do I need to help me achieve these goals, we're activating a whole host of neural circuits and, like I say, members of our brain that will help us achieve our goals faster and easier than ever before. And so it's not enough just to set goals. Setting goals is basically, here's what I want to achieve. But if you're leaving out the other four areas, and this is something he actually helped me with 40 years ago, but we didn't know the neuroscience of neural circuits turning on or off. We didn't understand, you know, why we needed to do these things. But today we do. And so when I was 19 years old and I started to write out my goals and why I was going to achieve them and how I was going to do it and when they was going to get done by and whose help did I need and what skills that I need to upgrade, I inadvertently stumbled across a pattern for success that most people weren't taught except if they were you know, in Mr. Alan Brown's environment or some other really good teachers around the world. And so not only did I get the right kind of training, but every single day I had a really key important aspect to achieving goals, and that was accountability. So Mr. Brown kept us accountable to doing this every single day. He put us in an accountability group in the office that we had to do checks and balances on whether we did this process every day. And when I wrote my newest book, Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power, it was meant to give people a user's manual for the most powerful tool in the known universe, and that's their brain. And so I reverse engineered what in the world was he doing and why did it work for me 
and for the thousands of people that have worked for me in one of my companies that I've taught this to. Amazing. So I know a lot of listeners out there resonate with this and a lot of us are goal achievers. And, you know, I simplify it down to three things. It's like set the goal, create the action steps, achieve the goal, right? And I explain that to my eight-year-old son that way, but you've obviously taken it to much deeper levels. But I think the one place that a lot of people get stuck up, there's actually two places I think people get stuck in this process. You're you know, going through your five-step process. One, people don't set goals. So I'd like to talk about that. Two, it's very hard for some people who are disconnected from their body to actually understand the reasons why they need to achieve this goal or they want to achieve this goal. So do you have any particular guidance? Obviously, the book is a good start or a good deep dive if people look into it, but where do we start if we want to understand goal setting? Okay. So there's a huge difference between goal setting and goal achieving, right? And so goal setting is an exercise in imagination. It's an exercise in deductive reasoning. I want this over that, and here's why. But goal achieving is really an emotional exercise. And let me explain what I mean specifically around this. So let's say somebody sets a goal. It doesn't matter if it's a health goal, a weight goal, a financial goal, a relationship goal, a business goal. It doesn't make a difference. So they set the goal. They know why they want to achieve the goal. They may even take some action steps to write down a plan for achieving it. Now, what prevents people from actually following through and taking action? And there's really only four things that are part of, you know, the emotional side of our brain, our implicit part of our brain. So let's say you set a goal for whatever you're thinking about right now. So you set a goal for X. And let's say that you have a limiting belief that you're too old or too young or too Asian or too Caucasian, or you live in a small town or a big town, or a certain something is in your way. So even if you have the goal and the plans and the how and the why, if you don't have the right beliefs, which are part of the emotional brain, the implicit part of the brain, you won't take action. That's number one. Number two, let's say you have whatever goal you chose and you have one of the 50 known fears that hold people back that actually puts the brakes on behavior. So let's say you have a fear of failing. Let's say you have a fear of being embarrassed or ashamed or ridiculed or judged or of disappointing yourself one more time because you've set goals before. So that's going to kick in the sympathetic nervous system, which is going to shut down motivation, which is going to shut down your motor cortex. So you're not going to take action. So limiting beliefs will hold you back. Fears would hold you back. And let's say that you have a goal and at the emotional implicit part of your brain, your self-image or self-worth or your self-esteem doesn't match up with the goal you want to achieve, your brain will cause you to sabotage any and all behaviors because your self-image doesn't match up with the goal that you have. So those are three. And so if you don't understand how to manage the emotional side of your brain, then guess what happens? You start to develop these habits, which are, again, part of your implicit memory system, And you are going to develop these habits that line up with your current results, regardless of the goals that you have. And so if you don't understand how to change your self-esteem, if you don't understand how to recognize that fear is nothing more than a signal and how to control the signal so that you take action anyway, and if you don't know how to release limiting beliefs, then you're going to be a victim of all of these emotional attributes 
of our brain and you're going to have goals and dreams. And if you don't achieve your goals and dreams over and over and over again, you won't want to set goals and dreams for a fearing of disappointing yourself again. I'm so glad you said that. So I coach a lot of high-level people around the world. And that's one thing that we run into a lot is this unconscious, like deep embedded lack of desire or ultimately inability to set goals because they know they've set them in the past and they don't believe in themselves. They don't believe that they're willing to do what's necessary to follow through. I'd love to dive into your approach to people who have developed that belief around like, oh, I don't want to set them. Maybe it's unconscious, maybe it's conscious because they feel they don't have the character to actually follow through on these things. It's a character attribute that may have been rooted in childhood. Some people it's rooted in adulthood, right? This concept of neuroplasticity that we all talk about, as Dr. Andrew Huberman speaks of, can work really positively in your favor, but can also work really negatively because when you're not succeeding at something and you're just falling short or you're not following through, that's also creating that neuroplastic habit that gets built into these neural networks like you speak of the deeper ingrained it gets, how do we start to shift it in your eyes? Great question. So if we step back for just a moment and we ask ourselves a question, and the question is, when you were born and you had 100 billion brain cells that really didn't have many connections except you know the ones that you were born with, did you have any empowering or disempowering beliefs? The answer is no. Did you have any fears other than a fear of loud noise, which I think is instinctual versus a fear? And the answer is no. Did you have any idea about your self-image, self-worth, or self-esteem? And the answer is no. So the question then becomes, well, how did I develop these? And the answer is, well, I developed these from what my parents told me, my sister or brothers told me, my caregivers told me, what I saw on television, watching Barney or anything else. Uh, I developed these in school with other kids. I developed these through my own experiences, through what I read, what I watched on TV. So all of the input that came into our brain through our physical senses and our intuitive part of our brain formulated these neural networks that got reinforced over time and then became fixed in the implicit part of our brain. And then they run on automatic in order to conserve energy and to keep us safe and away from danger. And so the way that our brain works is the patterns that got reinforced get played out automatically because of the hierarchy of how the brain works. So that's part one. Part two then becomes, okay, since we know that the neurons that fire together wire together, is there a way for us to create a new more empowering neural network or pattern deliberately because now we are consciously aware that we can activate the neuroplasticity switch? And the answer is, of course we can. Every time we activate the neuroplasticity switch by doing something fun or by being curious or by using space repetition and using a variety of our physical senses of hear, seeing, smell, tasting, touching, we can create a new neural network. So for example, let's say somebody has a limiting belief that says, I'm not good enough to achieve that goal. So when somebody thinks that, feels that, says that, even if it's to themselves, they are reinforcing a neural network that already exists within their brain, and they just make it stronger. Now, what if we just taught that person to become aware that this is one of their limiting beliefs, either through asking them, you know, or through guiding them through a series of exercises to bring it forth? And what if we just taught them just a shift in a language pattern that says, every time you think of it, I want you to change the language pattern to, in the past, 
I used to believe that I wasn't smart enough. And now I'm learning that I'm more than smart enough to achieve any goal I choose. So what if we taught to me a different skill of awareness? And what if we taught somebody that in that awareness, they can deliberately change their own language pattern, which is nothing more than changing, you know, some coding in your brain. And then what if we taught them to visualize that? And then what if we taught them to mentally contrast an old belief with a new belief? And what if we reinforced it for at least 66 days and hopefully up to a year, every day for a few minutes, would it equivalently do the same thing that would happen if you took a little bit of weight and you started doing bicep curls or a push-up or you started doing some sit-ups? If you were going to do exercise and repeated it to build your muscles, couldn't you build a neuromuscle through repetition and through a variety of different exercises, which I call sizes? And the answer is, of course you could. And if you did that every day for 365 days, for five minutes or seven minutes, you would develop a new self-image, a new limiting belief. You'd be able to recognize fear as a signal, no differently than you recognize a light that pops up on your dash when you're driving your car and something's going on with your tire or your hood. Yeah, I think most of my audience is a highly aware demographic of people. The one thing I find, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, is it's been postulated and maybe proven that 95% of our lives is unconscious. Mm-hmm. And the best of us are conscious at a very small percentage of the time. And any thoughts or processes by which you've allowed people to create a higher level of presence, a higher level of conscious awareness in their life? Absolutely. And they say, as you're correct, 95, 98% of our thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors are due to habitual patterns that are triggered. And so mindfulness training is one of the core principles that has been taught now for many, many years in the East, but it's come out to the West in probably the last you know, five, six, seven years. And so being aware of your thoughts, emotions, feelings, sensations, and behaviors. And so one of the things that we teach all of our students is every hour, take 60 seconds to check in. Am I having empowering thoughts? Am I in an empowered physical state? Are my behaviors moving me towards my goals and dreams? Or are they moving me away? Am I being productive around my health, wealth, relationships, career, business success? So if you train yourself to do a check-in every hour, that's a really good start. If you train yourself every day, you, know, you start off with five minutes, then 10, then 15, and 20-minute meditation so that you can start to experience that you are not your body. You are not your thoughts. You're not your emotions. You're not your sensations. You have all of those. And in this state of training, then you are able to remove yourself and observe yourself. And what I mean by that specifically is this, all of our results, I don't care what result you look at in your life, it is an effect. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. So if your results are effects, then the question is what's causing the behaviors that's causing the results. And now we know that it's our beliefs, our emotions, our values, and our habits. So in a state of observation, Now we can say, okay, if my behaviors, the ones I'm taking or not taking are causing my results, then focusing on my results is really not where the game is won or lost. It's in the process 
that's driving the behaviors. And so can I create new empowering beliefs? Yes. Can I learn to manage my emotions better? Yes. Can I make sure that my beliefs and my values are aligned? Yes. Can I change my habits using the new science of neuroplasticity so that my habits, the things that I am doing every single day automatically are more aligned with the goals and dreams that I have? And the answer is yes. And so all of the latest research shows that it takes between 66 days, I mentioned before, and 365 days to change a habitual pattern so that it becomes dominant and part of your default mode network. So all of my clients, everybody who buys any of our programs, whether it's winning them a business or winning them a money or fear or weight loss or procrastination, has to agree when they buy our programs that you're going to at least do this for 100 days. And people say, well, why 100 days? And the answer is because that's how long it takes from a proven scientific process to really create a new pattern, a habitual pattern that overrides an old pattern. And so if you're not prepared to invest, and like I said, 66 days, but we tell our clients 100, if you're not prepared to invest 100 days to elicit change, then I really can't help you. Interesting. Now, you said something in there that I think is really important that we should pull out and stress a little bit is, you know, so many people focus on end result goals, right? I want to make money or I want to lose fat or I want to build muscle or I want to whatever. And they have this very particular objective end result and not really concerned with the process. They're not paying attention to the day-to-day opportunity that lays in front of them and ultimately creating character and creating habits. And I think you've summed it up really, really well, but I just want to emphasize the necessity of the habit formation. And I think the greatest example for my audience is, you know, some people set out to lose body fat and say, hey, you know what, I should do some cardio. I hate doing cardio. Like, okay, well, maybe you don't set the goal to do cardio. Maybe you set the goal to become the type of person who just does it every day. It doesn't have to be like, hey, I'm going to set this goal to lose body fat in four weeks. Like I want to lose 20 pounds in four weeks. And that's everyone has these short-term acute goals. And once that's done, the habit goes out the window and ultimately they feel this short-term sense of accomplishment and then it's gone. And then that habit is out the window. So, you know, this idea of, you know, if I just want to become the type of person who is lean all the time, well, I know if I want to do that, maybe there's a good opportunity that exists in doing some cardiovascular activity every day or some weight training every day, or, you know, then it becomes this process oriented creation of a new person rather than an objective oriented outcome. And I think you've done an incredible job of summarizing that necessity. Absolutely. If you were to work with, you know, Olympic athletes and you were to follow their routine If you were to look at, observe, you know, highly successful business owners or people who have great relationships, what you would discover is there is a pattern, a process that they consistently follow. And if you break down the patterns and the process for the success that you want to achieve, what you're going to discover is, number one, you really don't have a lot of choice. A lot of people think that, you know, you have a lot of choice. No, you don't. You know, when we want to achieve a certain health goal or wealth goal or business goal or relationship goal, there are a few things, you know, what I call our keystone habits, keystone beliefs, keystone patterns, that when you just focus on those and those patterns, you are pretty much guaranteed the outcome. And I like to call that a, you know, predictable transformation or predictable result. And so in 2020, 
If you step aside for just a moment, ask yourself this question. Do we have all of the science, research, process, and know-how if somebody wants to lose 50 pounds and keep it off? Do we know how to do that today? Without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. Without a shadow. You know, and it's better than, you know, any information or processes that we've ever had. If somebody wants to invest in the stock market and protect their assets, do we know how to do that? Yes. If somebody wants to start a business, do we know how to do that? Yes. If somebody wants to have a solid relationship, whether it's with themselves, their family, or a lover, do we know how to do that? Yes. So for every area of our life, for health, wealth, relationships, career, business, spirituality, there is more information in how to today than in the history of our species. So that means that the how to is the easiest part of the equation. And so what we can easily do is discover what are the patterns or what is the process that if we get good at the process, the fundamentals, we have the building blocks to predictable results in our lives. And what most people fail at, not by choice, maybe by ignorance because they don't know, is that as much as setting goals is great, Focusing on the process is where the game is going to be won or lost. If you can get the fundamentals done and you can develop daily rituals or hourly rituals or quarterly rituals, then what you will discover is if I focus on the right process every day and I develop the right habits, then those habits will start to create a life I've only dreamed of and imagined. But you have to be committed As adults, here's the problem. You and I at our age, and probably most of the people that are listening, we have to break the habits and patterns that are creating the predictable results we're already getting. And that takes a little bit of skill and patience and know-how. And that's why I say, you know, let's do a little real check-in. And you asked me earlier, you know, why am I so focused on the neuroscience and neuropsychology now? And the answer is because if we keep doing what we've always done, we're going to keep achieving what we've always achieved. And we know that habits drive our lives. We know that process is part of our habits. So we have to interrupt our existing processes. And then we have to recalibrate a new process for our mindset. We have to create a new process for new skill sets. And we have to create a new process for the action sets, which are our habits, so that we achieve the results that we want. And that's the new order of the day, mindset, skill set, and action set. Amazing. So I think the ambiguity exists, John, in this reality that if you came to me and said, hey, Ben, I want to lose 50 pounds of fat and I want to build 50 pounds of muscle, I can tell you with absolute certainty that I can do that if you follow the plan. Now, the ambiguity for me in this life mastery success business seems to be the shiny red light scenario, right? Or the shiny red light syndrome where everyone's got a new process. Everyone's got a new thing to focus on. And it seems like most people are focusing on a very small piece of the puzzle. And that's why I thought it was very interesting that I think there's very few people will say looking at this from a neuroscience perspective. And I think there's also one additional level that needs to be considered that needs to be kind of woven in and that's genetics. So one thing that came up there as we spoke earlier about people who have this natural aversion to setting goals. So they've developed a stress response around setting goals. They didn't achieve it. Now they get anxiety about it. And there's a genetic component to that where people who have a particular SNP mutation 
will have more of an aversion to stressful situations because when they get stressed, they can't recover from it. They stay in this really highly sympathetic aroused state and they just feel anxious and fearful and it just sticks with them. And I think that's a component that eventually will have to be incorporated. But I think that's where the ambiguity lies. It's so hard to determine where to look. And that's why I was, as I said, so interested in hearing your inner size approach and what these inner sizes really look like. So let's talk about that for just a moment, right? What causes stress in one person may not or may cause stress in another person. But when we talk about stress and we talk about emotions and we talk about activation or deactivation of the parasympathetic nervous system, one of the first inner sizes that I teach everybody is called take six, calm the circuits. And what we know is that with six to 10 breaths slowly in through your nose and very slowly out through your mouth, like you're breathing out through a straw, we can deactivate the sympathetic nervous system response and the release of cortisol or epinephrine or norepinephrine or adrenaline, et cetera. So what if we had a process for being aware when our stress response is kicked in? And we did inner size one take six, calm the circuits. And then if we move to inner size number two, which I teach in the book, and I have audios for that we give everybody who buys the book, we said, okay, let's teach you another inner size called AIA, AIA, which is all around awareness, intention, and action. So what if in that calm, relaxed state where I can actually activate the genius part of my brain, I can become aware of what are the thoughts that I'm having? What are the emotions that I'm having? What are the sensations I'm having that are causing me to be in a stressful state. And what if in that state, a calm, relaxed state, I could set an intention, a very small intention around what it is that I want to do, what it is that I want to achieve, and then what if I could just take one small little action step towards that instead of allowing the stress to hold me back? Would I therefore be interrupting an old stressful destructive state and therefore being in control, taking a small action step, creating a new neural pattern of moving forward towards my goals and dreams? And the answer is yes. And what if we did inner size number three called flip the switch, which allowed me to flip the switch from one state of mind driving my emotions and behavior, and I flipped it to another state of mind using something called mental contrasting and seeing the old me and the new me that I want to be. Could I, with those simple three inner sizes, start to retrain my nervous system, start to retrain my neural network, start to retrain my default mode network? And the answer is yes. And regardless of whether you have a genetic predisposition or not, as soon as we talk about stress, the stress response, and emotions, we're talking about subconscious patterns that can be recognized and retrained. So it doesn't matter if it's a genetic predisposition. You have more control than you think you have. But if your identity, okay, is riding gunshot with you and saying, hey, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. Guess what? We have to interrupt that pattern and reformulate a new identity where you're in control because even our epigenetics, okay, we can override, activate, or deactivate. Very cool, John. You were featured in the movie The Secret, and I think you had a really good perspective on that. I've heard you speak of you've created a rule since then, which is 
really talk about the law of attraction and you have a particular response to that or a law that maybe complements that. I'd love to have you tell us about that. I mean, listen, the movie The Secret was great. You know, most people don't know that most of the teachers were sitting in the hotel room with a green screen behind us, sitting on a chair, and then they built the whole movie around us. And The Law of Attraction is great in as much as talks about believe or think, believe, and you'll achieve. But very few people have talked about the last six letters of the word attraction. And the last six letters of the word attraction are action. And so many years ago, when I was 19 years old and getting trained in sales, I learned about this law of Goya, which made the difference of whether you succeed or not. It was the get off your ass law. And so in addition to having the right thoughts and believing, if you don't do the right things in the right order at the right time, you're going to have a lot of hopes and dreams and a lot of broken wishes and so I'm huge on all of the mental and emotional alignment, but I'm huge on taking action every day, inspired action every day, making a little bit of progress every day, upgrading your knowledge and skills every day so that you know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, what worked, what didn't work. And all of this airy-fairy metaphysical baloney that the universe is just going to drop onto your lap, you know, your million dollars and your beautiful car and your beautiful dream home is just a bunch of bullshit. But I do believe that when you're in coherence with the abundance that's in the universe, there is a quantum field that we are all in that when you tune your brain into you know, the frequency or the energy of what you want, and you create mental alignment, you create heart coherence and gut coherence, and you move your physical body towards the goal and dream that you want. That is where you have coherence between this quantum field, this physical field, the spiritual field, this emotional field, this mental field. And it's when you have that coherence, that's when you're locked and loaded, like having the combination to a safe. If you don't put the combination to a safe in the right order, the numbers could be sitting there on your desk or on your computer, but you will never open the safe. And so I like to consider the spiritual, the emotional, the mental, and the physical alignment when it comes to goal setting and goal achievement. And when you get those aligned, that's when it's effort less, not without effort, but effort less. That's when you're in flow. That's when things just like, wow, why is this so much easier? It's because you're in flow at the, what I call the SEMP, the spiritual, emotional, mental, and physical side. And that's what creates the results that you want in a much easier and faster fashion. It's a big part of the conversation in this podcast is, you know, everyone tends to focus on either the body or they tend to focus on the mind. And that's where this muscle intelligence podcast comes from is the integration of body and mind and the necessity, the necessity in having a healthy, optimized body and ultimately a healthy, optimized brain and also a healthy, optimized mind. And obviously spiritual life is a big part of that as well. So a lot of our listeners are high achievers and you know some CEOs and entrepreneurs and people that are business owners, just people who want the best of their life. And they're speaking specifically about your life, John, how do you keep focused? So I think a lot of us have so many opportunities in life and in day-to-day activity. You're obviously a very high achiever. I'd love to hear some of your personal tactics, maybe, or your personal approaches 
to keeping focused on your highest and best? And if that's something you think is important. Yes, and sure. So I do something extremely unusual for most people. And that is at the end of every year, right around November, I take two to three days and I just sit, usually on the beach somewhere. And I have my exceptional life blueprint with me, which is about 45 pages that I've developed that my clients buy, et cetera. Uh, And I ask myself a question. Okay, number one, what is the purpose of my life? What's my vision? What's my mission? And I've written all of this down and tweaked it for many, many years. So every year I just do a check-in to say, okay, do I still want to trade my life for this vision, for this mission, you know, my internal and external mission? Yes or no? Yes. And then that's that. Then I ask myself, okay, in my spiritual health, what do I want to achieve in my life, in my emotional health, my mental health, my physical health, my financial life, my contribution life, my children, my wife, my students? Like, what do I want to trade my life for this coming up year? And I just make sure that I have just clarity. And a lot of people say, like, why do you spend so much time? And the answer is because as much as I want to be 100% clear and focused on what it is that I want to do, I want to know what to say no to. And so people say, what do you mean you know what to say no to? And I tell them, well, every day there are hundreds, if not thousands of distractions that are vying for my attention, whether it's text, email, Skype, social media, my children, my wife, whomever, they're trying to achieve whatever they want to achieve in most cases randomly. And I've been extremely deliberate on what is extremely important for me to feel like my life has the most purpose, the most meaning, so that I feel like the journey is just amazing. And so I take two to three days to get really clear And then every single morning when I wake up, after I do my 20-minute meditation and my 10 minutes of inner size, I take out my Exceptional Life Blueprint and I read every single goal that I have. I read my values. I read why I'm doing this. I read my philosophies for life every single day. And people ask, well, why do you do that? And I do that because reading something once or seeing something once creates a very, very, very soft, short-term impression in my brain. But reading it hundreds of times and feeling it and visualizing it, and I have it recorded on my iPhone, listening to it in a meditative state, cements this vision and these goals that I have into my subconscious mind which then works 24 hours a day, seven days a week towards helping me achieve what I want to achieve. So I'm extremely deliberate about my time. And then every goal that I have, I ask myself a question. What are the highest impact activities that I could be doing to achieve that goal today, this week, this month? So if you think about how does a rocket ship get off the ground? And the answer is with a lot of preparation. And so I invest a lot of time on the preparation so that when I am implementing, I'm extremely effective. And then I have processes to eliminate distractions. So, you know, I don't get text messages on my iPhone anymore. Uh, I don't check email every minute of every day. I don't hop on social media every hour. I created a deliberate practice for myself 
to manage the events called my life. Because I don't believe there's anything called time management. The only thing you can manage is what you do in time. And so through many years of tweaking and adjusting and finding rituals for myself, I have found some specific rituals in the morning, in the middle of the day, and in the evening that keep me highly productive and focused on the high impact activities versus the trivial many things that a lot of people allow themselves to get distracted by. So you've given us your morning routine. I'd love to learn about your meditation. Is it a particular type or is it just becoming centered and present or what's your favorite approach to meditation? Do you change it or is it something you're pretty consistent with? I change it. So some mornings I will do a meditation without any sound or any words. And I would just do a transcendental meditation with one of a few different mantras that I use. So that's some days. Other days, I will listen to a guided meditation. I've got a variety of different apps that I listen to that I've created for my clients and me at uh, my company, Neurogym. Sometimes I listen to other apps. Other days, I will go sit at the beach and I'll use the ocean as a meditation. So I basically like to mix and match it up based on how I'm feeling and what it is that I you know, really want to achieve. Amazing. So you've got a number of books out, John, that I think are all worth reading. And I'm just curious which one you think would be best for people to start with. So Brain Power, Inner Size, you've also got... My original book, my first New York Times bestselling book was called Having It All, Achieving Your Life's yeah. Goals and Dreams. Yep. And it's really a pretty great compilation of setting goals and achieving goals and some of the neuroscience of having it all for health, wealth, relationships, career, business. My newest book, Inner Size, so Exercise for Your Body, Inner Size for Your Brain, is all around some of the latest neuroscience to unlock your brain's hidden power and how to do a daily inner size practice to strengthen your core neural muscles of self-esteem and emotions and confidence and certainty. And both of them are best-selling books. So, you know, either having it all or inner size. And for anybody who buys inner size, they'll notice in the end of each chapter, I give people a way to go to our website to get eight free brain training audios that I created specifically for people who buy the book. And it'll basically have me guide them through some inner sizes to strengthen their core neural muscles. Amazing. I look forward to going through those myself. As you know, I'm a neurohacking nerd, as it seems like you are as well. I'm just trying to ultimately figure out this thing that lives on top of our shoulders and allow us to live our greatest life. John, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for tuning into the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It's always an absolute pleasure to be a small part of your life. And I'm super grateful for each and every one of you being here for the last 100 episodes and this being 101. And it's been a true honor and a privilege to be able to connect with you, connect with these amazing experts and continue to expand my knowledge and my skill set to ultimately create a better understanding of what it means to live your greatest life and what are all the things that go into living your greatest life and how can I look at anyone and how can we all look at anyone and say, hey, this is the single thing you should do now that's going to help you and then not only tell you, but support you in that journey. And that's really the mission of the Muslim intelligence is, hey, we want to find out what are all those things that people are living without, people are facing as obstacles. And then how can we first identify them, create awareness, right? We have to create an awareness and that's step one and everything. And then the shift comes when you take action and taking action sometimes is the hardest. And that's where accountability comes in. So a big part of this 
new movement with muscle intelligence is creating an amazing community of like-minded, success-oriented, driven men and women who will not take no as an answer, right? Success is inevitable for you if you don't stop, you don't slow down, you don't let obstacles get in your way, you run through them, you go over them, you go around them, but you say, I will do this. And it's this beautiful conversation that exists between, is it something that you're committed to or is it something that you're interested in, right? When you're committed to something, nothing gets in your way. If you're interested, you know, the next wind that comes will blow you on a different path. So hopefully each and every one of you listening to this podcast is committed to your success, committed to your happiness, committed to your health. And if that's you, head over to Muscle Intelligence Facebook, join us in there, and let's create that conversation and support every one of those members in there. And we're going to keep that community very tight, very, very positive, and always providing the best information that we can literally track down, including the best guests and live podcasts. And again, today's podcast is graciously supported by Blue Blocks. They're supporting us so we can keep this podcast going to keep you guys informed with the best information in the world. And we're so grateful for Blue Blocks and I hope you guys support them and make them part of our community. Blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use the code MUSCLE. And that'll get you 15% off your favorite pair of Blue Blockers for yourself and your children. I, as I said many times before, my kids wear these anytime they're going to watch television. Anytime we go to the movie, they're going to wear their red Blue Blockers. And at first they weren't always happy about it, but now they realize they're nerdy just like me and we do cool stuff. <laughs> Guys, I hope you have a huge smile on your face. I hope you are not overly stressed. I hope you're moving every day. I hope you're breathing every day. I hope you're enjoying wonderful food with wonderful people. Keep that group small. Keep yourself contained and this will eventually pass and we will all thrive again. Have an amazing day. Live your greatest life in a body you love. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest and products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.